Thinking about that, that last song, you know, the scriptures say that the things of God are foolishness unto men. Do you realize that you just have spoken, have sung the words, let the poor say I'm rich, let the weak say I'm strong. Well, we know when we're thinking about spiritual things that when the world looks on and says, oh, that person is poor, that in spiritual ways we can be rich as kings. Mm-hmm. When the world looks on and say, oh, there's a weak person suffering with their physical ailments, we can say, no, we are strong. And we can be strong in the midst of physical weakness, we can be rich in the midst of material poverty. And what are we to do? We're to give thanks. We're to give thanks. So this morning, we are going to look at the subject of being thankful from the scriptures. And I want to look at four points in particular. One, thankfulness is a mark of a true Christian. Two, thankfulness is a means of glorifying God. Three, thankfulness is a method of fighting sin. And four, thankfulness is to be a mindset of the believer. So let's examine these with the Lord's help. First of all, thankfulness is the mark of a child of God. Look at Psalm 140 and verse 8. Verse 13, excuse me. Psalm 140 and verse 13. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. Notice this. Surely the upright will do this. They will, the righteous will give thanks to your name. The reality is this. There is no one regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit who does not thank the giver of life. It is a a natural consequence that when we are awakened to the state of our depravity and our sinfulness and we look up into the eyes of our Savior, that we will be thankful. We will be thankful. Thankfulness is the mark of a believer. And as we think about God's sovereign grace in our regeneration, he makes us alive by his sovereign grace, entirely apart from anything that we do. Far from this being, as some would characterize it, as an act of God violating people, as they look at our view, rather than this, and far from this being an unloving thing, when we consider that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we were unable 
to reach out to God, that we were unable to respond in thankfulness to Him, and that He gave us life and He gave us the ability to see our desperate plight. And then we naturally respond in thankfulness. It is impossible for us not to when God does that work. You know, is it truly an unloving action for God to grant us an ability that we never had, namely the ability to love him? And then, are we forced to love him after that? No, we naturally love him, don't we? Because our eyes are open to just how needy we truly were. A human illustration that could break down, obviously, but if there's someone who is desperately ill and they have no idea that they're sick and someone comes up to them and says, you know, I've been noticing over the past several weeks that you look very pale. Your color, your skin, you look sallow, you look pale. I really think that you need to go to the doctor and get this checked out. And they go and they find out that they have cancer, but they find out that it was caught in time and that they can be treated and be cured of that cancer. Will they not respond with thankfulness to the person who pointed out to them their need? You see, it is far more than that in the case with God because we were literally dead, unable to reach out to him. And he has made us alive. And so, surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name and the upright shall dwell in your presence. On the, on the flip side, one of the most atrocious sins that can ever be committed in this life is ingratitude. It's a damnable sin to be unthankful to God. And those who are lost and who do not give God thanks for everything which he constantly gives them will be damned and one of the great charges that will be brought against them is that they were unthankful and ungrateful. Look at Romans chapter 1. Here we have in Romans chapter 1 Beginning in verse 18, the reality that the wrath of God, it says, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, verse 20, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without Excuse, And as we go on, we, we all know about Romans chapter 1 and the condemnation of homosexuality there. But there is this massive sin, this mountainous black sin that is declared against these people who are facing the wrath of God here in verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were dark. And notice that. Nor were they thankful. Nor were they thankful. As I, as I go into the jail and I try and minister to the men there, as you can imagine, trying to point out to them that they need to be thankful is a difficult task. One, I'm dealing with men 
who predominantly are there because they are unthankful and they believe that everything that they've ever done in their life is somebody else's fault. It's not their own fault. And they live in that attitude. They're at war against the system. They're in there because somebody lied about them or they got a bad break or the authorities were out to get them or whatever it may be. And so I go in there and I usually don't come out saying, wow, I just feel so warm and fuzzy today. You know, that that was just... Uh, you know, we had such a nice little chat and it's all peaceful and everything. No, uh, no, usually it's, uh, I come out saying, praise, praise you, Lord, you know, trying, trying to be thankful. Praise you, Lord, your truth went forth. Even though I had this guy up in my face shaking his fist and calling me things that I would never mention from the pulpit. But yet I go in and I try and tell them, One of the worst sins that you can commit and one way that you show that you are not saved is you are not thankful to God. But I'm telling you there's a better way. Think of all the ways to be thankful. You who are locked in these cells sitting on cold concrete listening to me preach right now. How much do you have to be thankful for? Only this. Every good thing that has ever come to you in your life has come to you from God. Everything. Each breath you take right now is a gift of God and if he shuts off your air, you die. Every beat of your heart is a gift of God. In James chapter 1, it says, every good gift and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. As Paul stood on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, speaking of God, he says, in him we live and move and have our being. He gives unto us breath and life and every other thing. There was a farmer who listened to a sermon from Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah Chapter 1, in verse 3, after God says that he has nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me, he says in verse 3, the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people do not consider. And after hearing a sermon on this message, the farmer goes back to his farm and there as he is feeding his cow, The cow reaches out and and licks his hand. And he says to himself, my beast knows me and is thankful. But yet I have never thanked God in my life. And the Lord brought him to his knees in tears. You see, the mark of a true child of God is that we are thankful. To God for what he has done for us and everything that he is to us. Secondly, thankfulness is a means of glorifying God. Consider 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll begin with verse 13. 
Oh, this is too good to jump in there. Let's start with verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, notice this, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. The grace of God poured out upon many his children is for the purpose of causing thanksgiving, which will abound to the glory of God. So our being thankful is a means by which we exalt and glorify God, who is the giver. It is churlish and ungrateful indeed, is it not, if someone is given given to lavishly, and they refuse to thank the giver. But when someone thanks those who are generous toward them, it magnifies the one who is giving. Being thankful means to joyfully recognize benefits that are received. If one is thankful, one is joyfully recognizing benefits that are being received. Okay? Now let's try and illustrate this and what what thankfulness is, and then let's see how that applies to God and us bringing glory to God. If you were to walk out of here today, and as soon as you got out the front door, a perfect stranger came running up to you, and exuberantly began shaking her hand and saying, thank you, thank you so much. What would your question for that stranger be? For what? For what? You see, that's, our, that's the logical response. Why? Because we recognize that being thankful is to rejoice for benefits received. And if we're thinking, I don't know you from Adam, what did I do for you? Why are you thankful to me? Because what did I do for you? You see... So when we thank God, we are recognizing that he is our benefactor. We are recognizing that he has given to us, that he has blessed us, right? And so do you pray and thank God for the food that you're about to receive? What are you acknowledging if you are doing that rightly with a true heart of thankfulness? That that food came from God. If you don't believe that it came from God, you cannot be thankful to God for it. It It'd be like the stranger coming up to you and saying thank you, and and then you find out it was mistaken identity. (laughs) Okay, well, 
I guess you're not really thankful to me because I didn't do it. <laughs> Go find whoever did it for you, you know? Oh, aren't you that guy that helped me fix my tire three months? No, it wasn't me. I've never been there, you know? So, being truly thankful means to recognize that God has given great gifts to us. And then we stop and think about everything that he's given us. And the reality is every good thing that you have ever had in your life has come from God and because of God. And so you can thank him for everything. And the reality is, even the hardships that come into your life, you can find ways to be thankful in the midst of those circumstances. We'll talk about that under point four in just a moment. But examine this statement and see if this is not the case. We go glorify God most when we are most thankful. For he has blessed us and continues to bless us beyond measure. We glorify him most when we are most thankful. Because he has blessed us and continues to bless us beyond measure. And we are to thank him under all circumstances. He's so good to us. We think about, obviously, material things and how he cares for us and has given us everything that we have. We think about any relationship that we've ever had with anyone and any touch of affection, any smile, any good thing like that. It's, it's a gift of God to us. God has enabled that to happen. And we don't deserve a single one. There was a time in my life when I was struggling, wrestling because of some difficult circumstances in life and I was fighting for contentment. And the Lord, uh, in his kind providence, put in my, in my lap a book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. As I began to read through that and he begins to outline what the scriptures teach about being content. And, and think about this for a moment. Someone who is Content will be thankful. Those things go together. Discontent and thankfulness are <laughs> on opposite walls here. You know, if one's over there, one's over there, right? These are, these are opposite. A contented heart will be a grateful heart. Grateful heart will be a thankful heart. Okay? And he points out as one of the points, and it was so striking to me, and, and it is so true and biblical, we get discontented when we are not getting what we want or we think we deserve. Okay? At the heart of an ungodly discontentment is that there's something that we want that we're not getting or something that's happening to us and we wish it weren't happening to us. And he pointed out in this book that not only is it the case that we don't deserve any kindness in this life. We truly deserve, because of our wickedness and rebellion against God, the exact opposite. As I began to apply this, I realized, you know what? Not only do I not deserve for people around me to care for me in any way, to love me in any way, to smile upon me in any way, I deserve for God to use people as an instrument of my judgment and to tear me limb from limb. That is what I deserve. But that is not what God has 
given at this point in my life. And thus, the more we realize what we deserve, contrasted with what we have been given, the more thankful we will be. It's one of the reasons I love the teaching in the scriptures about God's sovereignty and the doctrines of grace. We who hold dear these truths should be the most grateful of people. (laughs) We should be the most thankful of people because we recognize the depth of our depravity. We recognize that sin is not just a mistake but it's an act of rebellion against an almighty God who is pure and holy beyond compare and that we deserve to face the full lava hot force of God's wrath forever. But yet, not only, not only has he blessed us in this life with material blessings and given us life and breath and everything that we have here, not only has he done that, but he has made us alive spiritually so that we can thank him and praise him. But not only did he make us alive spiritually, he justified us and declared us to be forgiven of our sins and innocent and gives us the righteousness of Christ. But not only does he forgive us of our sins and declare us to be righteous in that legal declaration, he adopts us into his own family. He says, I love you and I want you to sit at my table and dine with me. I want you to be an inheritor with my son, Jesus Christ. You are a beloved child. And then not only does he adopt us into his family, he sanctifies us throughout life. And as we're stubborn and hard-headed and we turn from him like the donkey and the ox and we bite the hand that feeds us, Yet he loves us and he lovingly disciplines us. And he does not cast us aside when we're petty and petulant and foolish and ridiculous. He doesn't say, that's it. You're out of my family. He loves us and he lovingly disciplines us. And he says, I'm going to keep working on you and I will bring you home with me. And when we acknowledge this and respond in thankfulness to God, then we magnify God because we're pointing to him and that he is the one who has done this. And we say, praise you, God. You have done it. You have done it. So thankfulness is a means of glorifying God. It's the mark of of a true believer. It's a means of glorifying God. Also the scriptures teach us. Thankfulness is a method. Of fighting against sin. Of fighting against sin. Sin such as anxiety. Sexual immorality. Greed. Despair. Discouragement. Consider Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, when I'm, in the, when I'm in the jail, the guy's there, how can I be thankful when I'm in here? Oh, it's easy for you to say, be thankful because you're out there, but I'm in here. Well, we've got to start, guys, with the recognition of why you're in here. <laughs> and then 
Even if you're in there for no fault of your own, the Bible addresses that too and how to handle it. Think of Jesus, what he suffered. Was that of any fault of his own? No. The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians is in prison. But yet he writes these words in Philippians chapter 4. Beginning with verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for none of the little things, but if it's a big thing, go ahead and be anxious about it. Be anxious for nothing. This is talking about sinful anxiety that flows from not trusting God with the circumstances. That's what this is addressing. It's a a sinful anxiety that flows from not trusting God with our circumstances or situations. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. Don't sinfully fail to trust in God. But in everything by prayer and supplication. We can be really good at the supplication part. That's asking God for stuff. But notice this, what is our attitude to be in all of this? With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. If we are ungrateful and unthankful, we shouldn't expect God to answer our prayers. But the encouragement is that we can always find ways to be thankful to God. Because again, every good thing that is happening in the midst of our difficult situation is a blessed gift from God. And he is working it all sovereignly for his purposes, right? And all things will work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And what is ultimately good that will come of no matter what situation, no matter how difficult It says he is conforming us to the image of his son in that same text. His son went through hardship and he was faithful unto death. The captain of our salvation, the scriptures say, was made perfect through sufferings. It's not that he ever sinned, but he experienced hardship and trials as a human that God had never experienced before. And he was faithful to the end in each situation We too are to be faithful and we're to be thankful. We're to be thankful. Let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ's sentinel or through Christ Jesus. So like a sentinel will guard you. And within the context here, much of this piece is not talking, not primarily even talking about the subjective peace we have individually that I feel at peace, but peace in our interactions with others. The previous verses said, I implore Yodia and implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. So there was some conflict going on here. And so... In fighting against sinful anxiety, thankfulness 
is a key weapon in our arsenal. Someone who is truly thankful will have a very hard time being sinfully anxious. This even uh, plays out in observation. There was a famous stress researcher, Hans Sale, and I quote, he says, among all the emotions, there is one which more than any other accounts for the absence or presence of stress in human relationships. That is the feeling of gratitude. It's a feeling of gratitude. Among all the emotions, there is one which more than any other accounts for the absence or the presence of stress in human relationships. That is the feeling of gratitude. The more ungrateful someone is, the more stress they will feel in their relationships with other people. (laughs) But the more grateful that we are, the more we can interact. That even applies... If it's a situation where we are being reviled. Reviled by an unbeliever. And it's a situation where we've done everything we can, but we can't make this be a peaceful situation. Have you been there? Been in situations? The scriptures say, as much as life within you live at peace with all men. But that recognizes that it takes two to tango. (laughs) And... But how how does this having an attitude of gratitude, which is tied in with thankfulness, remember, how does that affect those situations? Because we can still find ways to be thankful even when we're reviled. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that if we are persecuted for his name's sake, we are to what? We're to pout and to sulk and to get all anxious and uptight. Rejoice! (laughs) For great is your reward. He says rejoice. Rejoice. You can only rejoice if you have an attitude of gratitude to the Lord in the situation. One of the things Jesus is pointing out, if unbelievers hate you and turn against you because you are living out the righteousness and love of God toward them, you can rejoice because that's an evidence that you are God's child. Because the scriptures say we are the savor of death unto death to those who are perishing. Okay? If we speak, if we regularly speak truth into the lives of unbelievers, there will be some people who hate us and who go off on us. It will happen. It will happen. Because there are unbelievers out there who can't hide their disgust. They can't hide their hatred of God. But we can still have joy even in the midst of those types of situations. So thankfulness is a a means of fighting against sin. So we get in the trenches and rather than feeding ourselves with thoughts of anxiety about, oh, woe is me and I just said this and then they said that and how could they have done that? Rather than feeding all of those questions or doubts or everything else, we are to fill our minds with the truth of God's word and find ways to be thankful in the midst of the situation. And in doing so, we can fight against becoming sinfully anxious.
It was fascinating to me as we studied through the book of Ephesians, and we noted in this book the very common principle in the scriptures of putting off and putting on. Putting off and putting on. As I've said before, there's that old saying, if you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything at all. Well, that doesn't go far enough biblically. God doesn't say, just put off the bad stuff and um, just sit silent and don't do anything as long as you're not doing something bad. God says, put off that which is evil or unrighteous and put on a corresponding, contradicting, counteracting truth or attitude or action. And so it's fascinating to me as we studied through chapter 5 in Ephesians and the sin of sexual immorality is outlined here at the beginning of the chapter. It was fascinating to, to me to see what the antidote was that is given in Scripture. What weapon did God say that believers are to pull out of their arsenal and fight this temptation with? It's thankfulness. Notice, notice this. Let's begin with... Verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. Notice the context, sexual immorality. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. I think in the context again of covetousness and sexual immorality, this is talking about dirty talk. Talking about locker room talk. All right, if I'm preaching to the president, You can't just say, oh, that's just locker room talk. It's an abomination to God. You can't say, oh, boys will just be boys. Boys just being boys sends boys to hell. What is the contradictory, counteracting weapon in the arsenal, though, to fight against sexual immorality but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. But how do we fight against it? God is so gracious to us, he says, give thanks. (laughs) Give thanks, give thanks. What does this look like? Somebody who's battling with sexual immorality, whether it's pornography or whether it's um, sinful flirtations or whether it's full-blown battling against the desire to commit adultery. If one is thankful for what one has, one will not desire what God has said you must not have. Right? The more thankful that we are for what we have in Christ... We'll say, I don't want that. I don't want it. The more full we are with gratitude and thankfulness toward God. It's not that we're stronger to resist the temptation so much even as the t- in the way it works out, the temptation comes and we say, I don't even want that. I'm full. I don't, I don't want to... Eat in the house of the dead. I am full 
and in the house of the living and in the house of my God at his table in his presence where there's pleasure forevermore at his right hand. You see. So one of the ways that that we battle against these types of sins is by filling our minds with ways that we are thankful to the Lord for what we have in Christ. And notice in this text, as it points out, thankfulness. Then it says, this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. What is the implication there on the flip side? Be thankful because you have an inheritance in Christ and in the kingdom of God, right? We have an inheritance with God forevermore. He is going to reward us lavishly. And we will live for him with all, for all eternity. So battle, fight. But don't do it by just trying to put off. Don't do it by just saying, I can't do that, I mustn't do that, I'm just going to put that off. Yeah, say that. Tell yourself, I can't do it. It's despicable. I won't do it. But be thankful. Be thankful. Increase your joy. Increase your gratitude. And that will give you fuel to fight. The scriptures say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We are to be characterized by joy and thankfulness in the Lord. And we will be strong. The scriptures say, a merry heart does good like a medicine. We live live in an age where, oh, we just need a drug. If I could just get a drug... If I could just get the doctor to write a prescription and I won't be tempted toward that sin anymore, let's just write it all off. <laughs> I'm, I'm battling with sinful anxiety and I make that distinction. There are physical conditions and hormonal conditions which lead to a feeling of anxiety in the body which are not being condemned by God in his word. God is talking about sinful anxiety that flows from not trusting him and not finding our joy in him or delighting in him in the circumstances that we're in. If people are looking for a drug to cure sinful anxiety, they're looking in the wrong place and they're oftentimes covering up the sin rather than going to the heart of it and dealing with it in a biblical way. And so people need to realize that. But we we live in an age where, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the number of people who are on anti-anxiety medications in the United States of America, it's a very, very high percentage. Very high percentage. And in many of those instances, not every instance, again, we have to recognize this, but in many of those instances... It's because the anxiety is caused because of sin. And is the pill going to get rid of sin? No, it's not going to get rid of the sin. You know, an example of that, and I won't spend much more time on this, but an example is you have some people who are happy drunks. If they're an angry, sinful person, does getting drunk cure their sin issue? Or does it just put chemicals, you know, does it just affect their system, you know, with the alcohol in their system and, 
you know, acting as, you know, a, a, de- a depressant, you know, toward the things that are going on there and lowering their inhibitions, all that kind of stuff. All it, all it does is they're just getting drunk. It's not fixing the problem. We've perfected a lot of med- medication to give us the good feelings and get our body to kick out the good chemicals without terribly negatively affecting our mobility or our reasoning and those types of things. And used properly for someone who truly needs it, it's a good thing. I'm not condemning it across the board. But God has a better way for fighting sinful anxiety, and that is thankfulness. God has a better way for people trying to deal with temptations towards sexual immorality, and that's not just drugging them up so that they're in a state of stupor all the time. It is being thankful in the Lord. In the Lord. Others that you can think of, obviously, this applies to many things. Greed. If we're thankful to the Lord for what we have, then we're not going to be greedy and desire sinfully what others have, right? So greed and covetousness, despair and discouragement. What a, what a blessing God has given us, given us this. There's a, an illustration. It was in a devotional book called Springs in the Valley. And it just tells a little fictional story. It tells of a man who found a barn where Satan kept his seeds ready to be sown in the human heart. He found that the seeds of discouragement were more numerous than the others, and he learned that those seeds could be made to grow almost anywhere. But when Satan was questioned, he reluctantly admitted that there was one place in which he could never get them to thrive. And where is that? Asked the man. Satan sadly replied, in the heart of a grateful person. In the heart of a grateful person. I remember, and I've told you this before, listening to a man named Nicholas Ellen preach and teach. He is a pastor in a church, I believe, in San Antonio. And he's also a certified biblical counselor. And I heard him teach at a biblical counseling conference. He said while he was in seminary, he said his dad was a professional con artist. I mean, that's his dad's occupation. He's a con man. He said, I'm in seminary. My dad calls me up one day. And he says, son, I want to give you a piece of advice. And he's thinking, hmm, I'm in seminary studying the ways of the Lord. My dad is a con artist. And he's going to advise me. What could he possibly tell me that's going to be of any benefit to me? And here's what his dad said. He said, son, he said, in in my profession, over many years, he said, I've learned one thing. For certain. He said, you can only con someone if they're needy or greedy. You can only con somebody if they're needy or greedy. Thankfulness counteracts sinful neediness. I need, I need, I need. And greediness, I want, I want, I want. And so we're less likely to be taken advantage of by con artists. There we go. So, 
Thankfulness is the mark of a true believer. It's a means of glorifying God. It's a method for battling against sin. And then thankfulness, finally, is to be the mindset of the believer. It's to be our mindset. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, I think this could be rightly paraphrased, in every circumstance or situation that you're in, find ways to be thankful. And you are doing the will of God. Because whatever is happening to you is not outside of God's sovereign will for your life. Right? It's to be our mindset. We're to daily train ourselves in the discipline of thanksgiving. And no, we shouldn't complain about that. Oh, no, I have to be thankful. <laughs> oh, that's such hard work. Well, you know what? It can be hard work at times. But it's the absolute best thing for us. God's no dummy. He doesn't tell us, his beloved children, to have a mindset which is going to destroy us or harm us. It's the best thing in the world for us to be thankful. It even literally can heal our physical bodies if we have an attitude of gratitude and joyfulness. The science is all there to back it up. And God said it a couple thousand years ago. A merry heart does good like a medicine. And it is absolutely the case. Are there people who die, literally die, Of ingratitude and a broken heart? Yes. Yes. People can literally bring upon themselves heart attacks or other things through sinful anxiety or sinful anger or despair in a sinful way. But literally, if we are truly grateful for something... And in a biblical sense, it's going to be grateful to the Lord. It literally causes our body to flood with chemicals which boost our immune systems and heal and strengthen our bodies. And on the flip side, sinful anxiety and depression tears us apart and breaks us down. And we all, we all know this in just a real practical sense. If you have an attack of anxiety, you're physically weak. I remember going through some stressful times in my life and I could gauge how much it was affecting me by how many push-ups I could do. And literally, I could see a dramatic d- decrease in my ability to do a certain number of push-ups if I was in a really stressful situation and handling it by getting overwhelmed by it. 
it cut my ability by a third physically. Okay? So it does affect us. But God says our mindset is to be that in every situation we are to give thanks. Some of you have heard me tell about Matthew Henry and his experience about three or four times now. I'll tell it four or five times. Matthew Henry, in his diary, one day wrote, Today I was accosted on the road and I was robbed. And then he listed things that he was thankful for in that situation. He said, I'm thankful that although I was robbed, that my person was not harmed. I'm thankful that although I was robbed and they took everything I had, it was very little. (laughs) And at the end of the list, he put, I am thankful that although I was robbed, I was not the one doing the robbing. See, in every circumstance or situation, give thanks for this is God's will for you or to have an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving toward the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter two, the apostle says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that God always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. He causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. The victory is secure in Christ. Should that not encourage us daily? And we can have an attitude of thankfulness to the Lord. But you know what? It it takes work. For some people, it takes more work than others. We all have strengths and weaknesses we have different levels of maturity but the reality is this do we live in a perfect world or a broken sinful world broken sinful world the flow of the broken sinful world is backwards the reality is in our christian lives if we coast if we just try coasting which direction are we going to go can you coast uphill No, you're going to go backwards. You're going to go downhill. Boys, you know that uh, sometimes we'll, the top of the hill, a mile and a half from our house, or a mile and a half from our house, we'll put it in neutral because we can coast all the way down to our hill. Saves gas too. But as we come around the little bridge, and I'm trying not to go so fast that I fly us off into the creek, (laughs) then it starts an incline up to our driveway. And we can only make it so far. We, we've never been able to make it all the way to our driveway. But what happens, boys, if I just let the car keep going? It goes and it stops, but we're on a hill. So then what happens? We start rolling backwards. It's like, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> but in the Christian life, as we're trying to go uphill, as we're trying to ascend, <laughs> the reality is if we coast, do you know what direction we're going to go? We're going to go backwards. If you're, if you're in the stream of life, going upstream, going against the flow in this world, and you raise your paddle, and you say, I'm going to rest, what direction are you going to go? Whoosh, backwards. If you're, on an, if you're on an escalator, 
And you're trying to go up the down escalator. You ever feel like that in your Christian life? You're trying to go up the down escalator? What happens if you stop? Sorry about the noise, but you go down, right? So what's the reality in in this attitude and having a mindset of thankfulness? If you aren't feeding that, then you won't have it. It'll go backwards on you. So we are to feed this attitude. One of the ways we can do this is remembering ways that the Lord has blessed us. John Flavel in his book that was reprinted by Puritan paperbacks and entitled The Mystery of Divine Providence, he said, it's the duty of the saints, especially in times of straits, in every circumstance and situation in their lives, to remember the workings of divine providence for them in the past. One of the ways that we can increase our thankfulness to the Lord is by remembering his goodness toward us in the past. There was one Bible scholar who was traveling, and this was back when it was done by carriage, and the man telling the account was traveling with him. And as they come to a certain spot in the road, The Bible scholar says, wait, stop here. And they walk over to the side of the road and he kneels and he gives thanks to the Lord. When asked about it, he said, I always pause at this spot every time I go by to give thanks to the Lord. The question is, oh, well, why is that? Why, Why this spot? He says, when I was a young orphaned boy, one winter day I was traveling Along this road, barefooted, cold, he says there was a cow lying in the grass by the side of the road. He said, I disturbed that cow and she got up and moved. And he said, I sat down on the warm ground that she had warmed. And he said, now every time I pass this spot, I stop and I thank God that he provided me that place of warmth on that day. You see, the Lord's blessings to us come in so many different ways. And we can find so many ways to be thankful, can we not? So let's remember, not just during the Thanksgiving season, we're to have an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness the year long. And we can remember that Thankfulness is the mark of a true believer. Are you truly thankful? Have you thanked the Lord? Children, have you thanked God? Have you truly thanked God from your heart for the blessings that he has given you? Have you been able to thank him for the Lord Jesus and that Jesus died so that you could be saved? Thankfulness is the mark of a believer. Let's remember that we who... Love the old catechism. What is man's chief end? It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What does enjoy mean? 
being thankful, joyful in Him. And we want to glorify God. So how do we do that? We do that by developing an attitude of thankfulness to Him, looking for ways to be thankful. Remember that it's a a method of fighting against sin. And that it is to be our mindset as we go. And may the Lord bless us in this endeavor so that he receives all of the glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that we could be here today. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for each person who is here. I thank you that we could share this day together. Thank you for the love that these people have shown to me and my family. And the love that they reflect toward you, which is evidence that you have loved them. Thank you for the unity that we have in this congregation and for the joy that we have together. And we pray, Father, that you would increasingly make us more thankful. That we will regularly remember your kind providences in our lives. That we will regularly reflect on all that you are to us and what you have done for us. Forgive us for our discontentment. Forgive us for our ingratitude. Forgive us for our complaints. Help us to be ever grateful so that we will praise you in every circumstance that we face. And now we do thank you for the meal which we're about to eat. We recognize that you provided it for us. No matter what has happened in between, that you're the one who has given it to us. And so we don't pray like Jimmy Stewart in that movie. We pray saying it has all come from you. And so we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.